Hey, thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. To unlock the extended bonus conversation, sign up at patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Now, on with the show. Welcome to the Create Unknown. I am Kevin Lieber. With me, as always, is Matthew Tabor. Currently, he is in Las Vegas. Maybe someday he will actually be home again. But joining us today, we are so happy and excited to have with us the Crip Daddy himself, Donovan. Thanks for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. Now, I know of you from Twitter and I'm happy that I do because you make me laugh just <laughs> pretty much every day. The most recent thing that you shared was the um, that I replied to had to do with the that shocking, shocking food. Uh, a New York Post, I think, uh, reported that Matt. I know that you come from the EDU sphere, so you, you'll know mm. about this. But I don't want to upset any of our listeners, but it turns out that some kids in school are eating pizza. Yeah. Take a moment to let that sink in, dude. All right. I know that's a lot. And that was, so I've been off the grid on, on uh, some of this stuff. What it, the actual issue is that like pizza is part of the school diet. Is that it? Uh, if you want me to be honest, I think it was one of those, like if you clicked in the article, there was like, more with like oh they're, sh- they're putting in food maybe but they they did that thing where the picture to the article just doesn't make sense to me and i see that so often and in order to convey their message with like be careful what your children are eating it's just a bunch of kids eating pizza like that was it <laughs> so that was like that's that doesn't fit the tone at all because like let me tell you i've never once eaten pizza and have been like mm, Mm, it's always been a joyous, amazing experience. <laughs> Even the shittiest pizza, I'm like, you know what? Hey, it's a good time. The the worst pizza. <laughs> I got into a, like a little bit of a disagreement recently, where someone was asking, you know, pizza or tacos, and I mm-hmm. I, I oh. very clearly said, you know what? Like the worst pizza is still pretty good. Yeah. The worst taco is really not very good, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Because, like, uh, like you said, a bad pizza is still kind of good pizza, you know? <laughs> like, I, I've never gone out of my way to eat Little Caesars, but if it's offered to me, I'm going to eat it. I'm not mad about it. Yeah, it doesn't take, it doesn't take uh, a whole lot to get a man hot and ready. <laughs> on, on a moment's notice. <laughs> yeah. Matt, aren't you uh, like a Pizza Hut buffet aficionado? You're like a regular. Yeah, I actually, I yeah, I like the the buffet because it's like six ninety nine, you know, all you can eat. Nobody is there, and so they pretty much ask you what pizzas you want to make. Salad bar is good, but there aren't very many places uh, places where you can go, uh, where you can go like all out for under ten dollars. But you know what? There's one time I passed on this. Um, have either of you eaten CC's? No, I I have. What's but, your uh, ruling on that? It is what it is. 
It, it, okay. uh, <laughs> That's not a good I, endorsement. <laughs> uh, it'll it'll get you full. You will leave with an empty belly. Um, but it's not gonna change your life. It's it's a good time, and like I said, pizza's pizza. But yeah, if you want to hang out and eat a shit ton of like okay pizza, that's what it is to me. I walked by it when I lived in in L.A. I, I walked by a CC's all the time, and it was like five dollars all you can eat pizza. And yeah. ideal, you know, like most of the time, that kind of deal is going to draw me in, like oh, yeah. flies to sweet, sweet honey. And I just looked through the window, and, and I was like, you know, this looks terrible. This looks <laughs> yeah. awful. <laughs> like I just don't yeah. even want to do this for five dollars. Yeah, I get that, <laughs> uh, especially uh, here. All the buffets where I live are just not. Don't trust it, like yeah. at all. It's so bad. I I refuse. To believe that there are good buffets, even though I'm sure there are, but I don't want to pay that much. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> oh, Las Vegas, where Matt, where you are, is like the buffet right. heaven, Capital isn't it? Of the world, yeah, yeah. It's got some really, mm-hmm. really good ones, uh, but a couple pretty bad ones too. But Kevin, you have a full-on buffet boycott, don't you? It's not a boycott, but I'm I'm like a nervous public eater Same. in general. And when it comes to like eating buffet style or like a bunch of people are around or all kind of using the same utensils to serve ourselves or <laughs> I don't know, man, like I, to, to I eat with the best buffets just have one fork that everybody passes around. <laughs> and eats with. Yeah. Yeah, the communal fork. Yeah. It's my fork. <laughs> it's my turn with a fork. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, if you're in like a buffet, like at a wedding or like some sort of uh, social gathering, like a whatever. Uh, yeah. It's usually a thing where you like you don't want to be the first person in line because it's like considered somewhat, um, uh, I don't know, embarrassing. Like, oh, look mm-hmm. at, I want to be the first person in line because I know that everybody's like germy poo pans haven't been all over like the <laughs> serving spoons yet. <laughs> yeah, and even like outside of buffets, but I agree. I specifically hate buffets. Uh, just, I'm, I'm sure this is everywhere, but even more recent, like at just local fast food places, uh, or just, eek, it gets me so nervous. My, uh, I had a friend who works at Taco Bell very recently, uh, her employee, this new guy, uh, was in the bathroom and essentially I thought they, everybody thought he was cleaning. And he was on the floor, Skyping with his girlfriend, just like (laughs) laying up, like on his bed, like feet up, back and forth, like, oh, hey, babe, just on the bathroom floor. Ooh, God. Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Taco Bell cyber sex. (laughs) And I was, I don't want him, I I don't think I can ever eat there. Knowing that he's working, yeah. But as <laughs> as gross as he is, who is this girlfriend who's like into it? Who's like, yeah, yeah. my guy is, you know, sneaking mm-hmm. away into the Taco Bell bathroom to um, show me some love. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that's even worse. I think that's my hometown in a nutshell. Yeah, <laughs> I want to document. We should have a documentary about about your hometown. <laughs> Sounds you fascinating. Strangely enough, there kind of is. Actually, um, it was the, uh, it's on Hulu, Mind the Gap. Mind the Gap? Oh. Yeah. 
They uh, that whole documentary is filmed here in my hometown. Huh. What is it about? I, I'm not familiar with it. Um, it was up for an Oscar, I think, for that documentary that year for best documentary. It's kind of essentially the story of three kids who uh, grew up here, and the one was the guy who filmed the documentary. And at first, it kind of seems like it's going to be about like skateboarding and how they brought them together, but it kind of ends up more turning into um, a story of how abuse played out their lives because they all have... They're all friends, but they all went in different directions. And abuse, whether it be from their parents or themselves or significant others, all played a giant factor on who they became. Mm-hmm. And it was really good. It's a good documentary. Well, we know from so many of your, your Twitter videos that your mother abuses you very badly. Oh, yeah, and I give it right back. it's some of the most well-documented parent-child abuse on the planet yeah no that's how i i I know like therapy is a great option it probably should be done for everybody but i say nah just whoever is abusing you fuck them fuck them right back dude (laughs) you go straight back to hammurabi's code just like an eye for an eye um, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to get into the, the, the Twitter side of things because uh, most mm-hmm. of the people that we interview are YouTubers, first and foremost and, and last yeah. most. And you're really not. I know that you have a YouTube channel, mm-hmm. but it's relatively recent. It looks like you started about two years ago, and but you're really yeah. most active on Twitter. And Matt and I just recorded an episode about networking in which we both wholeheartedly agreed that Twitter was the best social media place for actually meeting people and becoming friends and networking and checking up on each other. And I mean, that's how we know you. So this is like a perfect example of that. So I just would love to hear about your thoughts on using Twitter and kind of how, how recently did you start Twitter was that within the last couple of years that you started being like active on there and making videos and stuff? Well, I I think I I made my Twitter uh my first one a while back uh and never touched it. I think it's very routine. I think it, everybody has that story of like, yeah, I made it, but then I just sat there for a while, didn't do. And then like one day I just decided, why not a little bit more? Uh, for me, the reason I started using it again was during the uh, the highlight, I think, of when the commentary videos were on the up and up with, like, uh, Leafy and all those guys, uh, and seeing that they all use Twitter a lot. And I was like, I like these guys, they're funny, uh, and it'd be cool to just, like, maybe be able to talk to them and shoot the shit. And uh, that's kind of what brought me back there. And I started just talking to people, making jokes with them and having a conversation. And uh, now I'm here because people were nice. They were cool. Yeah, I think that it, it's funny. You know, one of the things that Matt and I talked about in that episode was just how Twitter can be such a volatile and oh, yeah. and outrageous and angry place. But mm. the way that we use it, it's like almost the exact opposite. It's just yeah. nothing but jokes and satire and having fun with all of 
the things almost that people are mad about. So that's mm-hmm. something that really drew me to you to begin with, because look, let's face it right off the bat. When I see this person called the young crip, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, this guy I got to follow because <laughs> clearly you have a seriously strong sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my, my coping mechanism with everything. <laughs> uh, uh, it's like you said, everybody is so angry. Uh, like <laughs> yeah. You can look anywhere, but especially Twitter. People are just mad. You can find anything to be mad about on Twitter. It's ridiculous. And I just like being able to laugh at that instead of getting angry. Like, there's a lot of serious stuff going on in the world. Nobody needs, like, that's just common sense. You know, I don't need to hear it from, like, a mob of people that... The world is on fire. I I can only do so much about it, and I try my best, and I think the only way to combat that chaotic, you know, absurdity is to laugh at it. It's uh, it's crazy how people seem to default to, like, the angry little hot take. You know, you get, what, mm-hmm. two sentences on, on Twitter? And, it's, and that's it's, it. <laughs> yeah, and it's nuts to me that it's like, oh, I've got two sentences. Sentences. What should I do with this like precious limitation? Well, mm-hmm. I, I should just freak out as much as possible in like seventeen <laughs> words. Yeah. <laughs> how do you do? How do you decide to choose that route? <laughs> I I don't know. I, to me, a lot of it is that people take themselves a little too serious, mm-hmm. and that, I think that's a huge thing too. Uh, and I learned a long time ago to not <laughs> take myself serious. Because uh, push comes to shove, you, you're gonna die one day. So like, just have a have a good time, you know. Smile and laugh. <laughs> I I find that interesting because I watched your. So look, I went to your YouTube channel and I sorted yeah. from oldest to newest because I always <laughs> love to see whenever we bring a guest on, like, w- what kind of videos was this person making when they first started? Yeah. And one of the first videos that you made was titled something along the lines of like how I cope or something mm-hmm. like that. And it was a very honest and, and open kind of dialogue about uh, you talking about um, your um, uh, what what is it called? I'm sorry. Spinal no, muscular no. atrophy. I, yeah. Type two. Type two. OK. Yeah. So, so you talked about that. Explain a little about uh, uh, a little bit about what it was, but then kind of got into your whole mindset around doing what you can with every single day to make things better for yourself and for other people. Yeah. And that's something that resonated with me so strongly. And I think it comes across very clearly in your sense of humor and also with your ethos of, you know, not taking yourself so seriously. Yeah. And it seemed like Last year, so I'm wearing a t-shirt for those watching on YouTube <laughs> that uh, features Donovan and Ricky Berwick, and it says disabled and violent. Yep. <laughs> we need to talk about, about the deep strain of violence that courses through your entire <laughs> oh, being. We, you we, need no to, idea. we need to talk about that, honestly. I, it's like I wake up every day in a ball of rage, and I make – you know how uh, Kevin – Punches a hole in the wall. I destroy walls. I'm a wrecking ball. I just fucking <laughs> annihilate them. 
But this this T-shirt came about because of a mini controversy that yep. you were embroiled in mm-hmm. that I would love for you to to tell our audience about because I think it kind of exemplifies how you approach life, uh, how Ricky approaches life mm-hmm. in his own way, and sort of kind of like the conflict that exists between the way that other people approach their yeah. lives and express themselves, you know, first and foremost on social media like Twitter. Yeah. So uh, I guess first and foremost, it should be said that we, uh, I think more so me, because I'm a bit more open to talking about certain subject matters than Ricky is. But uh, I, that whole notion of us versus them mentality really came into play with it. It was when Endgame was announced and uh, it's like a, you know, a 12 hour long movie. It's not, it's like three hours. Uh, but uh, th- there was an article written uh, by, I believe, a freelance uh, journalist, you know, whoever, who was disabled and a minority. And the whole article was explaining that the the movie's end, like, length was, in fact, ableist. Uh, because people with disabilities like myself or even worse with bladder issues wouldn't be able to sit down and enjoy the movie in its entirety. And right. me, to put it bluntly, thought that was very fucking stupid. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I'll admit it right here right now. I'm kind of an asshole sometimes. I get that. <laughs> uh, but I try to level and be chill and nice and be empathetic, but there's just some things where I'm like, that just doesn't, nope, I'm sorry. And I expressed that in a in a Twitter video. I can't remember per on what I said, but it was along the lines of, if you have, if we're born with an issue that you know this is going to play a factor into like enjoying a long movie, you you plan accordingly. I mean, that's what I've done. That's my entire life is I yeah. like I make sure I don't expect the world to accommodate to me. Would it be nice? Yeah, it'd be great. But that's not how the world works. At some point, you need to make yourself work with the world. I don't know. And uh, Ricky chimed in on it, got in, said his piece, pretty much agreed with me because we both are of that mindset, and uh, instead of having an open dialogue, we were met with, we're both racist white men uh, and ableist, uh, and the, which is weird, because I'm not even white. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that, so. that's one of the funniest parts about seeing the criticism thrown your way, is like, 80% yeah. of it is wrong on the surface. Like, you can't even oh, justify it. Oh, God, so bad. <laughs> and it's, so I- it's really... F- crazy because it's they're coming from a nature of like don't judge people on their skin and they it's the first thing they bring up because the argument had nothing to do with our race but they were the first one to bring it up <laughs> so i forgot this too and, and maybe it wasn't these details weren't part of her argument but was there a specific point was she arguing that there should be intermissions or that like a movie over a certain length is inherently going to be a problem I think it was inherently going to be a problem. 
Yeah. So what's the cutoff? Like, what is the cutoff for a bladder-friendly runtime? That exactly. Like, they, and that was my point too. The article was just negative. It didn't offer any solutions. It wasn't like a maybe we can do this. Maybe we should do that. It was just flat out like these movies of this length are all a problem and an issue. And I was like, but what are you trying to accomplish? What do you want done? Like you're just bitching for the sake of bitching. Yeah, I don't think an intermission would be that big of a deal. And I think people uh, of of whether you know you were disabled or or not probably wouldn't mind stretching their legs and and going to the bathroom. I think that saying that just a long movie is a problem, you can't that you can't go anywhere with that because <laughs> there there as soon as you say okay, well then movies are only allowed to be two and a half hours. Somebody's going to come out of the woodwork and say, well mm-hmm. that's too long for me. Yeah. And then you say, okay, well, they, they can, o- can only be two hours. And then somebody says, well, that's way too long. For-. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... Exactly. It'll just fractionate forever until there are no movies left. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean, until you're just at home. <laughs> so what you explained details how you are disabled and an asshole. But what yeah. makes you disabled and violent? We need right. to get to the core of your exactly. violent streak. So... That's when uh, it just became completely downhill because I think they, in that moment, you have two options. Either have a conversation and be open or you just double down and you find anything to complain about, about the person arguing with you. And uh, we were called violent because of our responses, which didn't make sense. Nobody... I I never condone anybody attacking, anybody going after anybody, but it you don't have control over what other people do. And so we're seen and labeled as these like evil masterminds and that everybody is our minion that we just throw out to other people to go <laughs> after. And it's it's dude, I can't even eat macaroni and cheese. Without spilling on my shirt, like I, I'm not, I tapped out that, <laughs> so it's not that deep. <laughs> yeah, that was a part of the charge too, wasn't it? Because this happened over multiple days, and and for yeah. people who didn't follow this along, it was like a four or five day saga. Insane, yeah. And, and then there yeah. was like the trail of tears after it that lasted like three weeks, uh, but the mm-hmm. meat of it was was still like a week long. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> the the one of the main criticisms on this you just mentioned was that they were saying that you were like sicking thousands of of people on this girl who just had the temerity to to write an article about how she wanted to pee during a movie yeah Um, and and so that's not accurate you're saying that there aren't 15 or twenty five thousand people like no, in a, a it, tight like, text messaging system who get a beep on their phone it's like oh <laughs> donovan says it's go time <laughs> yeah no it's not that deep it, like I, i'm not saying it didn't happen uh because i'm not i can't you know i'm not her i don't know what's going on in her world but even let's just say hypothetically it was like a good handful of people like 15 20 people just her, like dming her tweeting mm. at her Let's just say that was a thing. You, you can block them. Yeah, it's so, so simple to just end the conversation, not respond, 
it's not that, like, I don't get that mentality of, like, they won't stop tweeting at me, then just ignore them. <laughs> and I wonder at what point you, because look, uh, we all make things that we share online that is mm -hmm. open to criticism for oh, yeah. everyone yeah. around the world to criticize. And on Vsauce 2, I get plenty of criticism on the way I explain things, you know, whether it's explained yeah. poorly or not. Sometimes they criticize me because they just think my, my I'm wrong. The math is wrong yeah. or, you know, yeah. I say them wrong. And or that it's a stupid topic to begin with. Like I'd yeah, say the number oh one God, criticism yeah. right. is like, why did you waste your time on this video, idiot? God, I hate that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, or or say like yes, exactly. You just you just waste you know you you stretched like a one minute idea into like a twelve minute video for your AdSense or whatever, and it's like actually this topic could be like a two hour semi right. seminar. It's like that <laughs> yeah. that detailed, like twelve twelve minutes is like a truncated version. But anyway, the point is, I don't I don't really understand why you would not recognize that by putting out an opinion, especially an opinion piece. Oh yeah. That you would not, you know, get some sort of feedback, uh, mm -hmm. likely much of which will be negative because let's face it, the majority of feedback that you get is going to be negative because people just really don't like to go out of their way to praise you, but they mm -hmm. love to go out of their way <laughs> to criticize you. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. It's been, like you said, especially with that, I think I don't really like going out of my way all the time. I know I've fallen victim to it. I think everybody has with uh, stating an opinion about a very controversial subject matter, you know, uh, but when it comes to people with disabilities seemingly and unnecessarily playing the victim, that's when I'm like, God, man, why? And that it's it makes it worse when they make it seem like everybody in that you know is that because it's not and I and I really hate that. Just to play a little bit of devil's advocate, are are there situations that come to mind for you in which somebody was complaining about uh, maybe discrimination or like some element of society that's really. Like very, very inconvenient for disabled people that you've supported and kind of yes. rallied rallied behind and, and yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. So like what yeah. what would be an example of a situation like that? Uh a lot of people don't I don't know if they know this or if it's just not a huge problem so nobody really cares. But um flying while if you have an electric wheelchair is the word it's a nightmare. It's so risky. Because uh, there isn't any regulation or rules for how they handle your wheelchair. Because even though, realistically, we, we could ha easily fit a wheelchair onto a plane if it was made, it's not allowed. They they don't allow wheelchairs in the passenger. So they put it in the cargo with the rest of everything else. Not safety regulated, uh, like buckled down. It's just kind of whatever they feel like they can do. And uh, it's a risk of whether or not you get your wheelchair back in one piece. There, I've read article after article of like nightmares where the wheelchair is completely just in pieces. Wow. And they the airports are just like, sorry, dude, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, and These wheelchairs I... are like 
uh, they're expensive. They're not. Yeah. <laughs> I did uh, years ago. A, a, a guy who who lived uh, near near Kevin back in the day. Uh, he had me do a bunch of research on uh, on electric mobility, like of all mm-hmm. kinds. So so. Uh, it was a range of, of, you know, chairs and, and assorted things. And yeah, back in the day, like the higher end ones were easily, you know, 20, 25,000. Uh, yeah. and so to think that you could just throw that in with cargo and expect a delicate, <laughs> very delicate, uh, piece of, of machinery to come out the other side perfectly intact is nuts. Yeah, it, and then it gets worse because people, yeah, like we said, there's always negative people, mm-hmm. uh, and people will hear these stories, and they they just go to like a, a a simplistic part of their brain of like, well, like the government pays for it, so just like replace it, like it's just a oh, okay. call call up to you know, <laughs> hey Trump, I was wondering if you could just send that email real quick. Uh, I got I got messed up, but if you could just like. You know, Amazon Prime that wheelchair over. That'd be real cool. It's it's not. It's such a process <laughs> of like w- uh, paperwork and waiting. And w- hey, mom. Yes. How long did it take for me to get this new wheelchair before my old one? Like the process. When did the time frame? Oh my gosh, it takes forever because you have to get fitted. Mm-hmm. You have to see a physical therapist. You have to get fitted. Then they have to submit it to the insurance. And it's a whole big process. You were denied your power chair the first time. Yeah. You know, Why? You know what their wording was? Why? It was not necessary medical equipment required for your condition. Even though I can't move. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <at all>. <laughs> what? <laughs> you can push you around forever. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. Yep. Good times. Fun. So, that yeah, it's is crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. So... Are there any sort of initiatives that are trying to create regulation for like the handling of of wheelchairs on planes and and how can we help? That's that's my question. Yeah, I, what can we do? This is crazy. I I guess I never really. It was one of those things where, uh, especially now as of lately, um, now that people are like noticing me and there's that opportunities to do things uh, around the world and country here. I, it's like they ask me, "Can you fly?" And I had to explain to them, "Well, yeah, but but also it's a risk that I had to explain it hands on to everybody." So now it's becoming more of a problem in my life, and I probably should try and think about what to do. But really, all I know we can do uh, is situation wise is call up the airport, tell them the situation, and just kind of really get on their ass about like hey I, i'm gonna be annoying and you're gonna hate me but please take care of this you don't have a whole lot of options this is something yeah. that has to kind of be done right yeah on. but look everybody's out here you know planting trees you know team trees yeah. is the thing why isn't it team like wheels and wings yeah it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I love that. I love that. This will be our team trees for sure. What is the? What is even the the process? Do you have to check your electric wheelchair before you go through security? Um, I've only ever flown once. Well, twice, two and back. Uh, and it was for my Make a Wish. So I'm assuming that played a factor into how they took care of my wheelchair. Uh, but even then. It still, it got a little banged up. I remember there was some uh, 
some scratches and like pieces of like just random plastic kind of chipped off uh, my wheelchair. Mm-hmm. I mean, it still operated fine, but it was still the fact that that even happened. What was what was the Make a Wish, by the way? Man, everybody asked me. And I feel such like a jackass because it's just it. It was the the like classic. I I want to go to Disney World and Universal Studios. Like it's not even anything cool. It's just a stereotype. Yeah, well, that's cool. It so was that's fun. What, that's what, that's what you yeah. did. You went to Disney World. I went In to f- Disney World, Universal Studios, and Sea World. But listen, it was a different time. I was a kid. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was before. What was the movie that came out? Blackfish. Yeah, listen, it wasn't my fault. I didn't know. <laughs> this is going to be peak cancellation. When yeah, you right. get canceled for having gone to SeaWorld on Make-A-Wish as a child or younger. Yeah. 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 I was I was pretty young. So yeah. I, I just went in like, I'm going to see a fucking whale do a backflip. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> It is. It is awesome. Well, look. If uh, I'm serious, that if there is any sort of, I don't know, foundation or initiative that is trying to lobby for regulation when it comes to handling, because it's not like this is that rare. Like no, they it, must run no. into this all day, all every day, in every airport around the world. Yeah, yeah. They, it, it, it's insane. Increasingly so too. Uh, I'd say quite a bit more than than even ten years ago, because uh, you know the electrical mobility stuff is more uh, more common than it used to be, and the cost on some of the entry level stuff has come down. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, and same with with plane tickets too. So, like the the whole equation here favors them having to deal with it a little bit more often than they used to. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if how many dogs do airlines kill? Uh, you know, scary. I'm thinking, well, if they took even less care with, uh, with something like a chair, like I can see this coming out, Mm -hmm. looking like, like, uh, something out of an Ikea box that needs to go back together. Oh, absolutely. I, I, it's, it's scary and also very disheartening because like I said, I have, I had people being like, man, we should get you out here. I'm like, man, that'd be great. But it's just very difficult. (laughs) It almost seems like we should invent some kind of padded case or box thing to secure. So even if it does bang around, like it doesn't break, right? Like, Like maybe there's some sort of like entrepreneur opportunity here to create, you know, the next great invention that mm-hmm. is the like electric chair protector <laughs> for flying yeah. right like this is not that crazy of an idea i don't know and uh even on a different topic like uh transportation with an electric chair on a like vehicle like a car level is very difficult because do you guys know about the the shit show that was uh uber starting their handicap service no. Oh, that one was bad. I think that if I remember correctly, they're still going to court for it because they're getting sued. What happened? Uh, they decided like uh, it was going to be a cool moment for them to introduce handicap-friendly Uber vehicles, which, honest, between me and you guys, would have been so useful. 
for me. It's like amazing because not a lot of people with electric chairs have a vehicle of their own to, yeah. and so they have to rely on public transportation, which isn't always easy to work with. Mm-hmm. But um, so this was a really cool moment. But there were so many like bumps that were bad. Uh, one, the plus of Uber is like that it's cheaper than the taxi, right? That's why they did so well. Uh, handicap Ubers were just as much as a taxi. Okay. And so that was automatically like a, ugh. But then uh, a lot of them had to get certain permits that were different that other Uber drivers didn't need. And that was a hassle for them. So a lot of them didn't even want to bother doing that. Uh, getting the vehicle, that's a whole nother thing. And there was a story where somebody was at an airport and ordered the handicap Uber, Uber didn't even show up. Like, so <laughs> it just didn't come. So they were abandoned there with no means of transportation. <laughs> Yikes. So that was real bad for them. <laughs> it seems like, yeah, that's a pretty complicated thing for them to try to just slap together. Very like just not ready. Yeah, and I think the there must be quite a few different regulations place by place too where oh sure where a normal trip in one place constitutes like medical transport in another uh mm-hmm. it, it must be absolutely nightmarish to go in that direction well i think it's great that they tried uh, yeah <laughs> like that's really cool but um uh yeah i, I just don't see it working mm-hmm. out exceptionally well for them oh yeah well well uh, Uber foibles aside, uh, I want to get into your transition from making jokes on Twitter to now yeah. going on stage and doing open yeah. mics. And because one of your like what I consider to be your, your defining joke telling style is very story based where it mm-hmm. seems like you're telling this very serious story that unfolds over the course of about a minute and a half or a minute and 45 seconds. And then within like the last 10 or 15 seconds of this like two minute chunk, you just 180 degrees like mm-hmm. tilt the thing in some sort of offensive or deranged <laughs> or unexpected way uh, that ends yeah. up just really surprising and making people laugh. So I think that that, that clearly works very well for you on Twitter. How, how has it been going out and doing that sort of start comedy in person? Cause that's a much different thing. I oh, imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm still getting my footing for lack of a better term on uh, being on stage. It is great. I do love it. And I do think it's a a different element when you're there. But it's not something that I couldn't do. I, I do feel like it's going to be where I go. And I love it. I love being able to just get on stage and work a crowd. And work that element of like, I, I know they're going to not like this on the surface. But they're gonna, <laughs> I'm going to make them laugh at it. It's gonna, they're going to be uncomfortable. And that's exactly what I want. Um, uh, it's I love being able to manipulate that. Like you said, just build up this whole... Like my first uh, open mic, I, I ended it with the a, a very serious story of me essentially being uh, turned down 
by a girl that I liked because I was in a wheelchair. Right. And it was so heavy in that bar. Like, it was, you could hear, like, the alcoholism setting in with people. (laughs) 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 You could hear the heartbreak and the guy in the back, you know, fucking, but, and then I twist it with, like, yeah, but so she died, so I don't care, it's fine. So what was that? What was that first time? What was that first time like? I, 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 people were very pushy. They're like, go to a comedy club, go to a like, go to Chicago. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm gonna start off in a shitty dive bar in my hometown that just happens to have an open mic to get a like understanding, and so. It wasn't a lot of people. It was a decent amount, just like a good, you know, like maybe 20 people in the bar all together. So it was okay. Uh, It was a little rough at the start, but like halfway through, it was very, okay, we get where this kid's coming from. And it was really, uh, I not to pat myself on the shoulder or anything, but everybody else performing that night was musicians. So you were the only comedian then? Yeah, they weren't oh. ready for a comedian. Can you imagine they, they, Kevin hearing like seven or eight good songs, mix of like cover songs and original material, mm-hmm. and everybody's chilling out, and then Crypt Daddy comes in and tells this horrible <laughs> joke about yeah. heartbreak and, that's and what death. That's it was. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what So I went in very out of my element, like, oh my God, these, these people aren't going to be about me. But like, oh, well, it's for experience. But at the end, I got the entire bar to laugh. So, <laughs> are there open mics uh, available just for comedy nights that that you can go to uh, locally? Uh, here in my town, yes, there are a few that I know about. I've gotten into links uh, with a few local comedians. I'm a little nervous to do them, not because you know, oh, on stage, ah, I'm scared, but because I've looked into the material and they're not bad. But I feel like I'm the only one that's doing, like, very openly offensive stuff. Okay. So, so I don't know how they'll react to that. Hopefully they'll be cool, but I'm also nervous. <laughs> a guy, a, a, a comedian who uh, Kevin and I both know, his name is Lou Perez. He's a really, really funny guy. Um, and he, uh, I was actually talking to him about, about you, Donovan, about like a year ago. I said, you got, you got to follow this guy because you're just going to like his style. Uh, Lou was telling me about a show that he did and I forget the title of it, but it's, it's a political kind of thing about like Mm -hmm. free speech or something, but very edgy too. And he had a situation where the venue that, that booked it, like people just came on dates and thought it was like a normal kind of comedy club experience and had no idea that they were going into this political kind of show. Um, I guess that went poorly. I guess <laughs> I could imagine <laughs> so, thinking about the music and the comedy, or even you know this. I don't know. Would you call the other people wholesome or traditional or what? Uh, or they, just not on just not on your level of degeneracy? Yeah, like they they no. I'm very like <laughs> I I will say something very not okay mm-hmm. j- jokingly just because it's a joke. Mm-hmm. But I think there would be some people that hear that and think. Nope. Okay. Nah. And that, <laughs> uh, it, to better put it in perspective, like, 
literally just a few days ago, Louis C.K. performed here in my hometown. And I went to go see him. And I, I'm not trying to start any controversy. I find him hilarious. And I think he killed it. Uh, and, but telling my friends, like, yeah, I'm going to go see Louis. It Is was either like, dude, awesome. Oh, my God, I'm super jealous. Or, mm, really? <laughs> right. Um, we canceled him. You're not allowed to go do that. <laughs> yeah. You can go, but you can't laugh. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I feel like Louis very much uh, influenced a lot of my sense of humor as far as traditional stand up. And a lot of other people do, but I like the ability of taking something that you seemingly just really shouldn't laugh about and making a joke from it. I just mm-hmm. think that's a good way of combating that like absurdity to life that makes everybody scared. So I want to ask both of you something about this topic, because Kevin's background is in comedy as well, uh, yeah. way back in the day. Uh, he hasn't been funny in 10 or 12 years, but be- <laughs> before then, I, wa- I wasn't funny then either. Before then there were, there were lots of guffaws and chuckles and, and all of those things. Uh, but it, so on, on the idea of a mismatch and a comedy show or movie or whatever it is, something that's, that's yeah. going to make you laugh, a mismatch between expectations, the audience's expectations and what you get. People seem really bothered by that, but isn't that, it seems to me like it's a good thing, like to, to be yeah. surprised. I mean, is that, is it better to n- know what you're going to get and appreciate that or have something come out of the blue? And what's that like as the, as the performer, as the person providing the content? I think you go into it, it that, like they're two different things. So uh, when I did stand up very, very briefly when I was in college and there were some venues that I went to where everybody understood my sense of humor and they were on board and everybody loved it and they laughed. And then I remember doing this one show at this extremely small, extremely conservative college. Okay. Like extremely religious college Mm -hmm. and they did not like my jokes not that my jokes were like necessarily making fun i don't even know if i had any like religious jokes but they were definitely weird and they were definitely offensive to some degree and they just really didn't like it but the weird thing that happened there was rather than being excited about making people laugh in that moment, I was really excited about making them uncomfortable. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it became kind of this different thing where instead of trying to get them to laugh, I, w- I kept performing way, like I told probably twice as many jokes as I was planning on originally and probably that I would have if they laughed. Instead, I just kept going, sort of milking the tension of them, of knowing that they hated every moment of it, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. ended up being really enjoyable so Donovan, for me. If you had to choose, would you rather perform in front of like 50 Crypt Daddy stands or 50 grandmothers who think they're uh, going to a church service? Oh, dude, de- hands down the church service. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right. I, I am almost glad and I feel happy now that I am going for more comedy because 
that's like you said. I think had I become hypothetically popular on YouTube and then wanted to do stand-up, it would be really hard. Uh, because you would essentially have a fan base already. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. That's it. Hey, man. Power to you. That's great. But it's going to be hard to evolve and uh, go in a direction to where you would be essentially becoming a stand-up comic because you wouldn't be getting as much uh, of the hardship like a, a comedian would be starting from the, the bottom, you know. Uh, and I'm glad that I have that right now. There still. was some comedian, and I wish I could remember who it was. It might have been Eddie Murphy or Steve Martin. It was one of kind of the legends. And they spoke mm -hmm. about how once they got to a certain point in their stand-up career, they would just walk on stage and people would start hysterical laughing just because yeah. they were such huge fans and they thought they were so funny that they didn't really have to do anything. And that messed with them and they didn't like that. The, the, yeah, whoever that, it was, yeah. I, I wish I could remember. I think it was either Steve Martin or Eddie Murphy. And it's exactly what you're talking about, where they were mm -hmm. like, these people are just laughing at me, not even doing anything. So that is kind of, it, while in some ways you would think that would be like awesome and amazing, like, oh my gosh, all these people adore me. I think that probably as a creative person who is trying to come up with like the, the, the most clever thing possible, it mm -hmm. becomes a no-win situation where you're actually not able to work on your craft because yeah. there's no contra you know there's no um there's no conflict between you and the audience they're just going to laugh no matter what you do i mean you went to didn't you go to gus johnson i did show how was that so yeah genuinely even as a fan i went in very uh i i don't know if i told him this but I went in very, almost very nervous because he invited me out. He, like him and Sabrina, his girlfriend, they're, they're absolute angels. They're so fucking sweet. Uh, they were paying for me to come see them. They were paying for my ticket. They even paid for the drinks and all of their stuff there. And I felt almost obligated to like, I'm going to have to love the show. Even if I hate <laughs> it, I had to love it. And so I was very nervous. I'm like, God, what if he, what if he just fucking sucks? <laughs> like, like it's not good. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> genuinely, and I and I mean this, even as it's spread, it was very good. It was uh, surprisingly good because, like I said, I I've always been skeptical of YouTubers branching off into different things, especially comedy, because that's something I'm very passionate uh, about. And uh, he was genuinely hilarious. It was very clever. Very smart. He he's, works great on stage. Yeah, it was good. Well, Gus, he could do that transaction good. Exactly. He's one of the few, you know. And I I've been obsessive over YouTube and YouTube comedy f for as long as YouTube has existed. Gus Johnson is one of the few people who I watch and I see this guy is funny no matter what. Like he's yeah. not just funny because he came up. Like Bo Burnham was this way. Like Bo yes. Burnham was so funny that it was clear he could go do stand-up specials. He could go direct yep. movies. Like it didn't matter. He's just that funny. And and to me, Gus Johnson is definitely in that boat where you can just pick Gus Johnson up 
and place him in Hollywood. You could place him in SNL. You could place him on stage. You could place him on Netflix. And he's funny. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. That, and uh, I, I'm very proud of him for that because I YouTube comedy is very hit or miss. When it's when it's bad, it is so bad. And it what makes it worse is that the thing is and not to seem negative, I'm a very cynical asshole. Uh <laughs> seeing even the just objectively bad comedy being praised. Because there are gonna be people who find it funny. And because of that it gets popular. It's so irritating. It's so frustrating to me. And it gets on my nerves way more than it should. I will 100% admit that. Like, to me, uh, for example here, Louie, they they didn't make that a big deal here in my hometown. Like, it was very, like, hush-hush. Like, even the venue wasn't really advertising it on their website. It was, like, hidden in the corner. of Like, like you had to look to see who was coming up. However, Jeff Dunham is coming to the biggest venue here. It's like a big stadium here that in my hometown. And he's not even performing until next month. But dude, it is everywhere you go. Billboards, the bus like seating. It's it's just and people are losing their mind. It's already sold out. And I'm like, God, he's just a he's not funny. I, <laughs> There's there's this annual uh, like an annual ranking of you know top ten everything in Vegas right yeah and one of um, one of the ones that gets the most attention is the top ten like most successful uh, comedy acts here in in Vegas yeah. and that list surprises me more than any like top yeah. ten list of my life because yes. it's the kind of thing that you're talking about here there are a couple guys and. Yeah, who who are on this list who you know are going to be there because they have like famous residencies. Like Carrot Top's on there because he's playing at the Luxor like seventeen times a day, nine days a week. Yeah, that those tickets are going to add up. Uh, you know, Andy's funny, whatever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so there are people on the list, a couple of them that I legitimately had never heard of, uh, and you know, I googled them, and it's really kind of mass appeal comedy that's so it, it's it's like if if there's a genre of comedy called npc it, it would be that, <laughs> yeah no exactly know? yeah uh there's a guy terry fatwer i think his name is maybe it's fader um oh oh you don't know him no no oh, well, no he, idea he's like in the top three comics in vegas and scored like 14 million dollars last year what wow. what jeez What's up? Not know who he is. Yeah, yeah. So Morris back there. It's like, how do they not know who he is? Well, he's been around here in Vegas for a long time, and he's in Atlantic City sometimes too. But like, he's not like you throw his name out there, and it's not like you know on the tip of everybody's mind yeah. uh, with famous comedians in 2019. So yeah, there definitely there's a market for NPC comedy, isn't there? Oh God, yeah. It it's just what appeals to the I don't know, uh a very mass produced comedy. It's very easy. It's very just it doesn't really take a lot of effort to me in my brain. Because I, I will I beat myself up for days trying to think of like 
a, a, a good joke, like, sometimes. And just, like, and, and it gets so hard under, like, it gets under my skin. And I get so mad at myself. And I pull my hair out, and then I, I'll look at, like, uh, just a random, uh, just, like, YouTube comedy thing. And it's very basic, and it's everybody losing their mind from how funny it is. So it's just like, that's not helping me. <laughs> it's, it's, it's awesome to follow really funny people on Twitter like for a long time. A long enough time so that you see the difference between the tone and like the word selection in yeah. their normal tweets versus... They're, they're clearly like well-crafted joke tweets, yeah. you know? And so I'll see somebody who just writes the funniest thing ever and it gets, you know, 20 likes. And then something else in my feed will be retweets where like some ding dong is like, take my wife, please. And it's got yeah. like 38,000 retweets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the thing, like, how do you find that funny? Were it worse than that? And, and maybe this is just because of like cultural differences or like click differences since Twitter is so global that there are tweets that'll have 200,000 likes that I literally don't even understand. Like I'll read them. And I'm like, I don't even know what this means. Like it's in, it's in English. Clearly yeah. 200,000 people thought it was extremely funny. And like, not only do I not get the joke? Like I don't even come close to getting the joke. I'm not even in the ballpark of the joke. And that's what makes me feel just like really out of the loop and really weird where I don't yeah. know if it's just like a, like I'm, I'm a boomer and I don't understand how the kids today talk or, <laughs> or whatever, but, but that, that those are the instances where I feel like, so when we talk about generic comedy, like uh, Terry, what's his name? Or, uh, it's F A T O R. Uh, I don't know how it's pronounced though. I want to look him up. In the other room, but I can watch that, yeah. and, and I'll I'll get the joke. Like I, per, it is yeah. Fader. Yes. like Darth Fader. Oh, he does puppets too. Of course, uh, he does. of course, yeah. Because Donovan was talking Gah. about Jeff Dunham. So oh. this is what you need: puppets. You need puppets. Oh, he's better than Jeff Dunham because he can throw his voice and he can sing like Ed James. Oh, so she says that he sings really well and he can throw his voice. So he, he's probably like a legitimate act to, to watch, like good entertainment. He's been around a long time. Fair. Siegfried and Roy's. Oh, she says he took Siegfried and Roy's spot at wherever that was. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I've offended. I, I'm in. I think I'm in trouble. I think you are in in trouble. Uh, in trouble. And if he took over Siegfried and Roy, does he have a tiger puppet that he pre yeah, pretends to get mauled by? <laughs> <laughs> did he? Did he at least keep the tigers? That would be cool. <laughs> he just, he's just manipulating the tiger. <laughs> But this is what happens, though, when you uh, like. I didn't even criticize the guy. I just, I you know, lightheartedly summed up his career as worthless um but you know i mean like i just you know talked in that way and i i've clearly rankled somebody rankled no, a i get that because uh i uh, i ended up having a very similar situation with uh my girlfriend because she very much loves big mouth and i mm -hmm. fucking despise that show with a i tried to give it a chance pack. I, it, I really not, tried to give it a shot. It, it's not that it doesn't have some good stuff. It does. Yeah. There are moments where, like, I'm like, you know, that was very funny. But for every, like, genuinely funny joke, there's, like, eight more that I'm like, 
God, fucking stop. <laughs> <laughs> this is the the Netflix cartoon about puberty yeah. or something? Yeah, Nick, yeah. It's Nick Kroll and what's the what's the other guy who is um uh, yeah, he's always like the yeah. crazy one? Yeah, like the bearded, like nutty dude. Yeah. I don't know. I stopped following Nick Kroll's career when I heard through the grapevine he's like the worst person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't generally like to support people who are just so such jerks. Like I heard the same thing about Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller, oh, yeah. when, when Ben Stiller plays like a jerk character, it's pretty much yeah. that's Ben Stiller. He's like just yeah. actually a really not a nice person. That's how isn't Seinfeld the same way too? Oh, I don't know. Seinfeld. I, I think seems. I think I've heard a little bit about him, but I can't clarify. I don't want to. Spreadsheet, but like I, I think I've heard that he he can be kind of a a pompous guy. Oh well, he definitely seems like a bit yeah. of a pompous guy. <laughs> the funniest thing was when he wouldn't hug Kesha. Do do you, yeah. do you remember that? Yeah. See, I I found that genuinely funny, and not. I mean, it was like kind of a jerk move, but at the same time, Very that's funny. Seinfeld. Him being like, no, I don't want to hug. No, there, who is she? Who are you? I don't know. <laughs> So I have a couple questions, uh, Donovan. If you could hang for an evening with any comedian, living or dead? Actually, one living, one dead. If you can, do Ooh, okay. And then one that's that's living dead. Uh, <laughs> that's so, so just a comedian, they're all dead. My inside. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's got to be somebody who you wish you could just kind of just hang with for a little bit. Living, I. It, I want to say it'd be a toss-up between Louis and Bo Burnham, because uh, I, I, when people ask me my favorite comedians, I do put Bo on that list, and I, a lot of people will hear that and think, "Really, Bo? Like, genuinely, he is so talented on every regard, and he is genuinely funny and close to my age, and I am like, I love him, but I'm also like slightly envious." Of like, damn, dude, you're so fucking good. Uh, <laughs> and I would love to just pick apart his brain and see what his life was like, even on a deeper level. Uh, but dead, I would have to go uh, another toss-up between Carlin uh, and Mitch Hedberg. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. You reminded me of Mitch Hedberg earlier when you were talking about how the, the crowd warmed up to you only after a little while because I had mm-hmm. watched somebody talking about Mitch recently and said that that was his, that was his experience almost every, like until he got really popular, every yeah. time he went on stage, it was like dead silence Yeah, until he like cracked that nut like halfway through, you know, like, I don't know, like 12 jokes in or whatever. He yeah. finally got the audience to laugh at one of his jokes. And then after that, they were on board. But apparently with his style and his delivery and his, his the, the types of jokes that he tells, every time he walked on stage, it was like, it started off really badly. <laughs> I can imagine, though, that makes sense. Uh, the first time I ever watched Mitch Hedberg was his comedy special uh, on co- uh, Comedy yeah, Central when I was a freshman. Never heard of him, never knew anything of it. It just randomly played. And I think at the time, Comedy Central was doing this weird thing with, like, 
a hundred top best stand-up specials at the time. And that was on the lower end. And I was watching it cycle through, and a lot of it was very generic stuff. Like, you know, some good. But to me, I I fell in love with him. He was so different and funny. And I love dry humor, especially his delivery, like you said. And seeing that so low on their list, I was like, that that doesn't make sense to me. He is fucking great. It probably was much higher years later once they realized, yeah. like, oh, actually, <laughs> this guy was a genius. God, I so saw good. this play out, that awkwardness uh, with the lack of familiarity. I, I just remembered this, that we were, when I was in, when I was in college, my friend and I were kind of walking around and we saw a little flyer that there is this event uh, on campus with Stephen Wright. And we were like, is it that Stephen Wright? Because that's mm-hmm. kind of a generic name. We're like, well, what's he doing there? Um, and we went to it. There must have been 12 people. It was in like the basement of the communications building. And he was talking about some uh, documentary or something like that. Maybe it was a book uh, about the Boston comedy scene and all the guys who came up in the late 70s and early 80s. Um, but we were the only two people out of that dozen who knew who he was. The rest were like overachieving communication students, a couple foreign students. Nobody knew who Stephen Wright was except us. And so he's, you know, you can imagine his delivery even in, it's not like it was stand-up comedy, but he's still being Stephen Wright. And we could look around and everybody else was like, who is this really awkward weirdo? (laughs) And, you know, 10 minutes in, you know, he lands a couple uh, just, just really excellent, uh, excellent lines. And people start to see like, Oh, now I get what this guy's about. And, you know, 15 minutes into the presentation, everybody is like a Stephen Wright fan for life. And it was so cool to see that transformation from zero to having a really awesome night. Mm Mm-hmm. So what are your, while we wrap up here, you know, we've taken a lot of your time. I just would love to know what's next, you know, to do, to do more live stuff. Um, Are you planning on doing more on YouTube or sticking primarily to Twitter? What what are you thinking? Um, Right now, I do want to try and transition more into doing more live on stage stuff. Um, I'll still keep up, obviously, on Twitter and YouTube. Uh, My podcast is still a fun thing to do. As much as a hassle is getting an episode out, it's still fun. Um, I like putting together jokes that I feel will work on Twitter and YouTube, but I think uh, a big focus will be on live stuff. And uh, I I have a few things in the works uh, that are going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. Um, I don't. Uh, I think we. We've been talking, and he's mentioned it a lot, so I feel like it's open to talk about now. But uh, Do we have a reveal? Or are we about to get a reveal? Kind of, yeah. Um, have you guys ever heard of the uh, the Legion of Skanks? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Louis J. Gomez and uh, Dave Smith and yep. uh, Big J. Okerson? Yep. Uh, yeah. Louis and I have been talking for a while. He's a good guy. And he he told me, he was like, do you do, you do stand-up? I was like, I've been working my, my realm into it. He was like, all right, here's the deal. When uh, we come through to Chicago at some point, we, we, we want to have you on. He was like, we, we'll, we'll pay for you to be on there, you know, get get some stuff together. And I was like, 
that's no pressure at all, but I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's really awesome. They've got a, a, a big thing going with the gas digital. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gas digital has really grown quite a lot in the last year or two. Uh, I oh, wasn't sure. sure if it was going to survive at the beginning. And then, you know, they tried a bunch of different things, uh, ran with the things that worked. Uh, I, I'm pretty impressed by it. So even though a lot of people aren't into them because I, I'd say they're edgy, is that fair to say? Yeah. yeah. They're edgy. Uh, and if you do go on stage, uh, be careful of what they make you do in the physical comedy realm. I've seen things with those people. <laughs> oh, me too. Uh, <laughs> I, I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it, that, that's a really big, cool opportunity. Like, I, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm thrilled that that came through on you. I'm very excited. It's, I think being able to be comfortable in that environment of like, I don't have to worry about what I'm going to say. People are going to love no. it. It's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> no, you definitely wouldn't have to in that. No. no. Are we going to be able to see this? Will this be online? Do you know? Um, I do know that they probably have a more so now. Uh, they they everybody does record some stuff, but I think a lot of it because of cancel stuff is very mm. under the radar. Like you had to be there. Kind of thing. Okay. They had a bit of a problem with a venue a couple months ago, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. they had a surprise performance by Louis C.K. And the venue owner didn't like that. <laughs> yeah. I remember uh, seeing a firestorm about it. Yeah. Ooh, it was it was a big deal. But uh, now, uh, I think it, it, no matter what, it's going to be fun. And I will yeah. love playing out on that stage. That's awesome. awesome. That's so yeah. awesome. I'm really happy to hear that. Well, do you want to stick around? We got some questions for you for our patrons. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Stick around for a little while. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, tell everybody what your podcast is. You didn't mention the name. That's right. Uh, I have a podcast with my mom uh, called Crip in the Cradle. It's so uh, good. It's so good. <laughs> we just kind of shoot the shit and discuss whatever really is going on <laughs> I, I wish yeah sorry no. i sorry to interrupt i just wish that we'd given a bunch of time to the dynamic between you and your mom because there is nothing like it on that's what we should talk about in the <laughs> in the after show because that yeah. is the most one of the most incredible things on all of social media <laughs> <laughs> i love it yeah and it's just uh us being us and i think on surface people hear like podcast between the uh, a boy in a wheelchair and his mom that's gonna be some wholesome nice shit <laughs> <laughs> and it's not <laughs> it's not it's not <laughs> so be sure to check out Crip in the Cradle follow Donovan on Twitter oh. you will not regret it uh, if you want we'll to stick with us everything in the description yeah links yeah, everything down below we're gonna go through our Patreon wormhole that wormhole exists at patreon.com slash the create unknown we're going to be talking to Donovan some more about him and the dynamic with his mom and, and, and some questions from our patrons. So go there. Join us over there. If you can't make it, that's okay. Thank you for watching The Create Unknown. We will see you next time. Space Cowboys. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. There's more episode waiting for you. But to keep listening, sign up at patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. You could hear the rest of our conversation as well as unlock the ad-free feed, get exclusive content, join the Idea Baby Gang, and more.
Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. If you liked what you heard, and I certainly hope that you did, please subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave us a review on Podchaser and Apple Podcasts. Those reviews really go a long way. While you're at it, you can also watch the video version of this show on youtube.com slash thecreateunknown. Check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. You can get the full episode. You can join the Idea Baby Gang, become one of the known access creator services. There's a lot going on on our Patreon. It's all part of phase three of TCU. So go to patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Follow us on social media. We tweet at Create Unknown. We're on Facebook and Instagram at The Create Unknown. You can follow me, Matt, and the show on Podchaser for podcast updates. You can also find a link to our Discord in the show notes. We love our Discord because we get to talk to you and you get to talk to us. So join our Discord. Our website is thecreateunknown.com. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production. We've been your hosts, Kevin Lieber and Matt Tabor. Check out what we do on YouTube at Vsauce2 and on Twitter at KevLieb and Tabor TCU. Links in the show notes. This episode was edited by Zalgaloo. Our theme song is by the incredible Mega Drive. Special thanks to Paula Lieber, Mo Lewitt, and Dorothy Kiney. Until next time, see ya, Space Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs>